Are you literally drinking in front of the mic when you tell me that I shouldn't do that? I'm trying not to. You're trying not to drink? Mic check. Mic. Ooh, I just, I literally. Did you lick your pop screen? It was an accident. (laughs) Well. Don't worry, I'm not too far away from the mic, though. Yeah, I I guess things are working. Episode nine, here we are. I have got a treat for you, my dear. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I went and I did some research, Mm -hmm. and I found, uh, you're absolutely right, by the way, the the Octacinera is definitely a thing. Yeah, I told you. But I also found that there is the Nonsflauk. Uh-huh. The Nonsflauk. That's mm-hmm. it's German. And you know German. And that is totally a thing. It's called the Nonsflauk. And it is nine games of 90 minutes or more. We got the uh, big heavy games. Oh, hey, no. Oh, no. Oh, all right. No. Oh, hey, God, just Paul. bring it back it up right here. I just, you know what? We've got the double doors open right now. And they're coming in. They're going to bring it in. Where should we put these? It's a big pallet. Um, it's a big pallet of games here. They're very large. It's only nine games, but it does fit on an entire pallet. How about just a few small ones, maybe to give our dear listener a, a break after the marathon mm. episode last week? Oh, all right. All right. You know what? We'll get it out of here because she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. Great. Make sure they know that. It's yep. very important. It's her fault. Get it out of here. Fine. Then how's about instead? We take a look over here at the shelf and we pick out, oh, here we go. Here's a nice little niche. How about... Games by Uwe Rosenberg that involve gardening or planting. That sound like a good one? Yeah, can you put a little bling sound in there? Because <laughs> what you didn't get to see, dear listener, is that Paul just painted a rainbow with his hand. <laughs> that's what we. That's what I do. I paint rainbows with my hands. Mm. Uh, that sounds like a wonderful idea. It's a great idea. So we've got Agricola. We have Cottage Garden. And we have... Bonanza. Bonanza. Both in mega party mode and in little tiny duel mode. For if you if you really just need to just prove your supremacy over someone, you just challenge them to a duel of beans. We've got that coming up too. So I think we've been messing around long enough. It's time we get this bean on the road. And one, two, bean. Boy, what a beautiful day to not have to worry about a plague anymore. Oh man, probably should just get these old bones down into town and see if there's uh, see if there's anything I can do to help contribute, make a living. I haven't really caught up with anyone there. I haven't really been into town in a while, the plague and everything. We just walk down this dirt country road. Hey, welcome to town. Haven't seen you in a bit. Yeah, well, you know, plague. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's meet the new folks in town. We've got the grocer sure. and yeah. the green grocer. You yeah. got your, oh, your stone cutter over there. He, yeah. he helps you kind of get a stone discount when you build. Buff looking oh, the, guy. Yeah. yeah, the wood cutter over there uh, will give you a little extra wood each time you're out gathering <laughs> wood. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the mushroom collector. He, of course, yeah. helps you eat the wood, eat, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. And then there's the adoptive parents who help you to put your kids to work as soon as they're um, born. Oh. Uh, 
Um, then you've got your sheep plague. walkers. Hit us mm-hmm. real hard. Plague hit us real hard. Well, you know, the sheep walkers. The sheep walkers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they okay. help you, you know, basically convert your sheep into vegetables <laughs> or yeah. boars or stones, they, right? I, I bet they do. You've got your sheep whispers. I mean, really, it's a whole cast of characters here. Uh, I... Um, I I think I I think I hear another plague and I'm just going to go back to my farm and just uh, kind of fend for myself for the next 50 we'll years. We'll be here if you need us. <laughs> oh, okay, great. And such is life in the 17th century. Farming is not only not easy. It's a little weird. It doesn't make much sense. I don't know what a sheepwalker is. Maybe if we all go on this journey together, dear listener, we can figure it out. Or we can just read the card. Uh, what does the sheepwalker do? So the sheepwalker, and I really enjoyed this card last time. Okay. The sheepwalker lets you exchange sheep for either boars, pigs, vegetables, or stone. Basically whatever you want at any time. Well, uh, that's great for you and me. But unfortunately, we have our dear listener here who we can assume has never heard of this game and is relying on us. Yeah, let's back it up. So Agricola. It up. Agricola, not Agricola. I remember when this game came out a very long time ago, and, and people actually called it Agricola for a while. The absolute legend, Scott Nicholson, Board Games with Scott. He had someone on, a history professor or a language professor who pronounced it the right way, and we all learned, and I'm glad to see that those lessons have uh, come through today. Oh, I'm only pronouncing it correctly because you do, that's, for sure. That's absolutely right. <laughs> that's our dynamic. I'm the one who knows how things are pronounced. So this game we purchased when we were traveling, visiting your family. Yeah. And we were a little <laughs> bit bored. Look, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with Reno, Nevada on the whole. But when you're there for nine days with no board games to speak of, we had a few. But we played all of them and we needed something new. So we went to the local game store. Where Paul said, hey, this is a classic. I had never played it. Yeah. Uh, he had owned it for a long time, so we bought a brand spanking new copy. Yep. And we played the crud out of this. The, yeah, we played the the sheepwalker out of it. <laughs> we sure did. And we played the sheepwalker out of it again those past couple nights To as prepare well. for this right now. Here we are. At this so moment. first impressions. Yeah. This is a worker placement game, which means you'll have a certain set of meeples, uh, you start with two. Everybody starts with two. Yep. And each turn, you will place one on one spot, one on the other spot, and you'll take those actions. Uh, so you've got the, your worker placement board up here, which starts with some kind of baked-in actions that are actually printed on the board. Yep. And the rest of the actions are revealed one card at a time, one card per round. Yeah. And in general, there is a flow. There's a kind of a stage one set of actions, and then a stage two, three, four, all the way through six. So, so things- you know that the like the smaller cards are probably going to come out first, but the the, the big boomers are going to come out near the end of the game. Then you've got your farm board. What your farm you board, yeah. yeah. You've got the you've got the things where you decide what you're going to do, and then you got the farm board, which is where you do it. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do on the farm board, Paul? Anything. The world the world is your oyster. You have uh, 15 squares here upon which to flex your domain. Is that? Do they say that to flex your domain? No, but you to just enact did. your will on these 15 squares. Two of them is already pre-printed. Uh, your house. It starts off with a, a wooden house. You can upgrade it later to clay and stone. But the other squares on the grid are there for you to plant crops, 
or to build fences around with which to hold the different animals. You got your cows, your pee, you, <laughs> your, oh, pigs, you, your pigs, your peeps. You got your cows, you got your pigs, you got your sheep. Uh, you'll put those in your pastures that you'll fence around. You can stick some, you can stick some stables in there. Try to say that five times fast. Do it right now. Stick some stables. Stick yep. some stables. Stick some stables. Stick some. Oh, that is tough. That's, yeah. <laughs> now you do it, dear listener. We'll wait. Good work. So that's your farm board. You, it's where you're gonna, it's where you're gonna plant things. It's where you're gonna put things. And it's very important that you do what you can to put as much stuff on here as possible. Because one of the things you get judged on is. Uh, how much empty space you have left over. Empty space is bad. We'll cover that when we get to scoring. You also have a few different stacks of cards, a couple of which you start your game with. So you've got your occupations, which we were alluding to in our extremely clever intro. Sheepwalker! Mm-hmm. You'll get a hand of, of seven of those folks. You'll get a hand of seven minor improvements. These are... are Things like drinking troughs or threshing boards or you know, hardened porcelain, little minor things that give you some, some boosts, some more efficient ways of doing things. They are a little bit more difficult to put into play than the occupations. And with that comes a, a bit greater an ability. And then you have the shared board of major improvements as well. These are the, the big boomers. Yeah. These are things like ovens that let you, you know, Eat your livestock. Yeah. If you don't want to just like take a bite out of your sheep. <laughs> you can't actually yeah. unless you, you got an oven. Nope. Um, and then there's, you know, other things that let you make other conversions to food as well. Including wood or bricks. <laughs> or reeds. You can eat all of it you, evidently. You, you can eat everything in this game at least once. <laughs> That's our, our quick overview here. What do you start the game with, Paul? How does the game start? At the start of the game, you've got uh, your farm board that's empty. You've got your two little farmers, us people who've been around a long time. Remember when they were just little round wooden discs, but now they have uh, jaunty hats. They look like cowpoke to me because they're also they're yeah. kind of wide. Yeah. They got a wide stance. Yeah, <laughs> they got rickets real bad. <laughs> so you get one, two. You get two of them, one for each room of your house. You also start with the hand of cards, the, the minor improvements and the occupations, seven each. And you start with two or three food, depending on if you're the start player. Start player starts with less food uh, because they have that advantage of going first. Then uh, on your turn, you just start deciding where you're going to put your little farmers. Here we go. It's my turn. I'm going to put my farmer on this spot here that lets me plow a field. Great, I can take uh, one of the field tiles and put it right on my board. Now maybe Laura goes and she decides to pick up one of her farmers and put it on the forest to give her some, some wood. Great, why do you wanna do all this stuff? Well, one of the things you were gonna wanna do is look at those cards that you were given and see if any of them blend together, if they synergize together. And you maybe you see one that gives you some kind of cool benefit once you've gotten to a, a stone house. So you start thinking, okay, I want to work on getting a stone house. In order to get stone, I have to upgrade it to clay first, which means I need to focus on getting some clay. Ah, but I also need reeds, so I need to work on doing some of that. Ah, but I also have to feed my family. How am I gonna do that? Well, there's spots where they'll just the game will just give you food, but one of the, the cool tricks of this game is the, the planting and growing of crops. 
So earlier I mentioned you can plow a field. Why would you want to do that? Because once you've plowed a field, you can then get your hands on some grain seeds or some vegetable seeds. And when you take the action on this main board here that allows you to sow those seeds, you literally just take the, the grain or vegetable and you just put it right there on that field that you've plowed. And it instantly grows. Kind of. It's, it's a weird abstraction, <laughs> right? You take some extra ones from the supply and stack them on top. And now you've queued up three grains for yourself or two vegetables for yourself. And then at the end of certain round numbers, when it comes time to harvest, you get to take those grains or those vegetables right off the tops of those stacks and put them right into your supply. You could eat them raw if you wanted to. I know nothing satisfies like a handful of raw barley when I'm, when I'm feeling peckish. Or you can feed that stuff into these major improvements, most of which have to do with cooking your food. And, and that, that turns them into more food for you to be able to feed your people. Uh, like I said, at the end of certain rounds, you have to give each of your workers two food. There's also, you have the ability to make babies. Uh, the game does not go into great detail about how those babies are made, but it does require you most of the time to have an extra room built onto your house. There's a way near the end of the game to be able to start stacking squishing a baby squishing, into your going, tiny house going wall-to-wall -wall babies <laughs> but most of the time you do need an extra room to hold that baby and if that baby is born at the end of one of the rounds that requires you to feed your people then you got to feed that baby one food so even though the baby didn't do anything they still technically exist so you do have to technically feed them but that's the game right i it sounds like we're kind of glossing over it because this is one of those games where there's all kinds of things to do and really just going into depth and reading you the rule book is not is not really going to service anybody except maybe people who listen to us to fall asleep which hey <laughs> maybe that's a good pivot for us maybe there are, are hey man it was good enough for bob ross asmr voice asmr voice uh meeple meeple clacking <laughs> yeah it's good stuff uh but that's that's the game laura have i missed anything well, let's see. Uh, other little kind of fun details here. At the end of every number of rounds, yeah. they get they get shorter. Yeah. You mentioned you have to feed people. Yeah. You mentioned you get to harvest grain. Also, if you happen to have accumulated two or more of any of the animals, yep. they will make another animal as happens. So at the end of every few rounds, several things will happen. You've got to feed your people. You're going to harvest your, your vegetables yep. and your grain. And you're going to let your animals propagate, etc. Yep. yep. Basically, the whole game is building up a few moves until each of those harvest rounds, harvest rounds. Yeah. Making sure that you are all set going into those. I think one of the other things to mention is that for all of the spots where you can accumulate a resource, uh, the fishing hole for for food, yep. the uh, reed bank for reed, the clay pit for clay and the forest for wood, beef jerky, well, beef jerky. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Someone's been listening to our show. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> all of those spaces, if you go around or if the round passes without anybody collecting the the stuff out of it, mm -hmm, then it just gets piled on top for next time. Yep. And this includes some of the more advanced spaces where you're going to have animals on those spots yeah. and you'll, there'll just be more and more animals. So part of the game is also timing for yeah. When you want to go to a spot so that you can get the maximum benefit, yep. but also you don't want to let it get too sweet because 
then you might not be the first one there. Someone, someone could get there before you. So we talked about all this stuff. Let's talk very briefly about why we're doing it. And then we can talk a little bit about how it makes us feel when we're doing it. Why we're doing it is because of points, 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 points. To just kind of briefly go over uh, what you get points for and lose points for, the game will give you points for uh, having a certain number of plowed fields. It'll give you points for having a certain number of fenced off pastures. It'll give you a certain number of points for having grains or vegetables or a certain number of animals. One to three sheep will give you one point. Four to five cows will give you three points. Uh, but the game will also take away points from you for not having those things. Ideally, your farm is going to have, you know, at least two plowed fields, one pasture, one pumpkin, one to three grain, you know, that kind of thing. A nicely balanced farm. A nicely balanced farm. And then some areas where you've really excelled in order to, to just rack rake, up the points, rake in those points. Mm. And some of these improvements also give you points as well. Uh, and these major improvements, in addition to having ovens and fireplaces that let you cook your food, there's some of them that will give you points for amassing and stockpiling certain resources, like having a whole bunch of reed or a whole bunch of brick at the end of the game. That's why you're doing what you're doing in order to score points. Everything gives you points and certain things, like I said, that, that you don't have will take away points. And then once you've played every round in the game, I'm looking right here, I think I see 14 rounds. Once you've played 14 rounds and do that final feed your people step, that's it. Tally everything up, and whoever has the most points wins. I will tell you right now, that person is always Laura. We have played this by far the most amount of times of any game in our collection. Really? Uh, yeah, I know, right? It still stymies me every time. I have no idea how you manage to win. So here I go. I go to Board Game Geek. I look up strategies. A number one strategy, don't take food penalties. If you can't feed your people, you just start racking up these minus three penalties for every food you can't give your people. Uh, that doesn't matter. Laura, the machine, the farming machine, just racks up 12 of them and still beats me by like nine points. The typical score in this game is going to be somewhere in the high 30s, low 40s. 50 is a really good score. I think there was one point where Laura beat me 45 to like 33. I don't know how she does it. She's a farming machine. I'm a thresher. She's a, she's, yeah. That's a farming machine. It's a farming machine. Mm -hmm. No, you're a Laura. That's also <laughs> a farming machine. This game is, uh, this game is, it's venerated. And I think for a reason, because it's a really, really tough puzzle to solve. I think that's the thing I really like about it. My approach is always, I look at the seven occupations that I've been given and the seven minor improvements that I've been given. These are cards that are unique to me that are not going to be public. And that's how I decide how I'm going to play my game. So when, for example, I had both the card that let me get extra sheep anytime I fenced in a paddock of a certain size. Is that the sheep fencer? I can't remember what the card okay. is called, but yeah. I also have the sheep walker, which is officially <laughs> sure. one of my favorites in this game. Yeah. Is there a uh, sheep fighter? Sheep fighter? No, there's a sheep whisperer as well. Sheep there's fighter. a whole sheep theme. Nobody really paid attention to sheep fighter until sheep fighter two came out and they were throwing fireballs. Do you, do you have some more sheep puns for the characters in street fighter? Cause <laughs> I'm waiting. Sheep can There's gotta be a ba joke in there. Oh yeah. I'll think about it. Go ahead. Okay. Well we can punch it in later. Yeah, sure. So when I saw those two, <laughs> okay, okay. so I knew that I wanted to go all in on sheep yeah. 
because sheep were going to be super valuable to me as a resource beyond just being sheep. Plus, apparently you can turn them into all kinds of things. I, I don't know. Oof. I don't know the logic is of it, but that's how I approached that one. I also had the stone house hand that one time, which I think you mentioned as well, where yeah. I had several cards that all referenced having a stone house. So I thought, well, I better beeline to stone house so I can get full advantage of these. Then the whole puzzle for me becomes what steps do I need to take to get to that goal most efficiently so that I can reap their benefits to the maximum. Yeah. I like that kind of puzzle. But the part that makes it really fun for me is that this competitive dance, this dance, circle that we do. Yeah. yeah. Of, of getting to a spot before somebody else or having to rework your plan because now you aren't able to get to that spot this turn and you only have two more meeples to place before you have to feed everybody. So, you know, you have to kind of scrap your whole plan and, and come up with something else. That's what I really enjoy about it. However, yeah, it can also make things go pretty slowly Yeah, because you don't know necessarily what's going to be available on your turn. Yep. And therefore you might have to sit there and recrunch. Yeah. <laughs> to make everything. You've already crunched. Together. Now you yeah. just got to, you got to pick it up. You got to recrunch it. Uh, and what makes things even worse is uh, normally you would think, like I mentioned earlier, don't let your people starve. Any decision you make that leads to your people starving is bad. Turns out, not true at all. If if you let your people starve and you lose 12 points, but, but at the gain of like 15 or 16 points, uh, that means one of two things. Either all the strategy articles are wrong, or two... I'm really bad at this game and I just, I, I don't, I shouldn't even be playing it. I should be doing something else more my speed, like throwing rocks at a wall or something like that. That leads us into how do we, how do we feel about the game? Are we going to keep it? Are we going to send it on its merry way? What do you think? What well, would I, you, what would you like to do? And we can hash it out right here live for our dear listener. I think there's no joy for me in playing a game that you <laughs> oh, I have said really anything. dislike. <laughs> it gets so boring just beating you over is, and seeing you cry. And well, get all the red, crying part is actually faced. what's distressing. Yeah. So, <laughs> nah, you know, this, this game puts you in a terrible, terrible mood. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I should be better at it, and I'm not. And I just don't know how many more times I want to play it in order to feel like I'm good at it. Because we have so many games we have to get through. Exactly. And this doesn't really occupy any space that's not yeah. already covered. Like the the Venn diagram yeah. is, is completely covered for this game. I recall it being kind of like the, the first real game of its kind. Uh, the first uh, Uwe Rosenberg punishment simulator. I think that was the, 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 the big draw of it. And he's come out with so many more games and refined that, that formula so much that I think there's a flavor for everyone, and I don't think this flavor is for me uh, anymore. I do think that if someone out there is listening and is thinking of starting a game collection or has never heard of the game somehow, or is you know interested in maybe playing it with their family, you can take out the cards or you can play. There's there's variants in there about playing it a lighter version. Play with your family. Play you know like I said, it's very simple. You take a farmer, you put him down, you get the stuff, turn the stuff into other stuff. There you go. I think there's uh, a lot of people who this game absolutely would fit right into their collection. I don't necessarily think it fits into ours. How, how do you feel? 
Uh, I think that the the best life we can offer this game is to pass it along to somebody who will really enjoy it. There's yeah. a lot of people this game is for. Yeah. It's for people like me um, <laughs> who don't have a giant collection with other things that yeah. do a lot of the same things. Yep. Okay. Well, then that's it. Um, the 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 plague has come and gone, uh, but the uh, the farmer carries on. The the bucolic plugs away and tills his field and uh, you know bears fruit and and then eventually this this metaphor this analogy I'm building uh, just kind of finally gets put out to roost. No, to pasture. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I'm not. A, <laughs> what do I know? Cottage garden. Welcome to our garden. It's really nice here. We got flowers. We got pots. We got little cloches. I learned that word today, cloche. We also have cats, but they don't take up a lot of space. Um, but other than that, it's our garden. It looks nice. And our job is to fill it with, with flowers until full to bursting. And then poof, it disappears, and we, we get another one. Just like a real garden, when you fill it up, it disappears, <laughs> and you get a fresh one, and you start all over start again. Start all over again. Uh, Cottage Garden is another one of Uwe Rosenberg's garden-themed games. It is a four-player version, more or less, of the two-player smash hit Patchwork. If you've played Patchwork, you'll be pretty familiar with this. If you've not played Patchwork then worry not, dear listener, because... We'll fill you in. We'll fill you in. Like so many flower spaces on a tile that goes poof and then disappears. Exactly like that. Let's uh, let's take a look at our first impressions. So first impressions, we've got this 4 by 4 grid, which is the centerpiece of the game. Yeah. Each player has two flower beds and a scoring track. Yep. And there's also... All of these, what do you call them, tetrominoes? Yeah, tetrominoes. With different pictures of flowers on them in different shapes. They range in size from one by one squares. Single little squares. Up to every single strange way you could possibly combine. Yeah. Six, I think, might be the largest. I think so, too. Yeah, you've got all these shapes. There's, there's pictures of flowers on them. And in some cases, there are also cloches and pots in the flower bed pieces as well and then because we have a nice addition we also have this fantastic little oh, cardboard wheelbarrow it's not even the nice addition like this just comes with the game they just give you a little cardboard wheelbarrow there you are dear listener you too yeah buying any version of this game could also get the delightful and charming little wheelbarrow at least i'm pretty sure don't hold us responsible for that if we're wrong <laughs> do your research laura and paul you owe me a wheelbarrow no uh that's what and some cubes for yep. scoring. That's right. Oh, and then of course we've got the 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 cats the cat. and the yep. loose pots over there. They're all yep. small circles. They take up one grid spot in your dirt patch in your that you're going to be planting in. <laughs> yeah, your flower bed. Yeah, soon to be a flower bed. Yep. And so I think first impressions are this is a very colorful game. It is it's very appealing. It has a lot. It has a nice little table appeal, especially for the more. What is that? When you were a gardener, what are for the gardeningly, <laughs> for the gardeningly inclined? Is that gardeningly? 
That's that, that's definitely the most eloquent way to put it. Gardeningly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's guaranteed to capture some attention of people who uh, likely would not otherwise look at a board game and find any interest. Not an actual guarantee. But I think I think with that, we can go right into how the game actually plays. Yeah. Like Laura mentioned, you have this 4x4 four four grid in the middle, and what you also have is this big giant green die, and we call that die the gardener. And the gardener is going to move around and around the perimeter of this 4x4 four four grid. Every time someone takes a turn, that die is going to move a space. Once it makes a complete lap around the grid, that die will go from 1 to 2. And then it's going to go around again, and then go up to 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. And when it rolls over to 6... Then you've entered the final round of the game. When it's your turn, that die is going to be lined up with a row or a column of this 4x4 grid. And that means you, the player, get to choose any one of the four things that are in that row or column. If someone has taken something from a spot and then it is, is your turn to pick something from that row or column that has intersected with that other player, maybe you're going to have something missing. And eventually, more and more things will go missing from the various spots on the grid. And at that point, if too much stuff is missing from a place where you have to choose, then you get to refill it from the other tiles. And these other tiles are laid out in a separate place on the table, maybe in a big circle, a big snake, whatever you want to do. The wheelbarrow, if you, if you do use a circle, uh, the wheelbarrow is there to denote where the start and the end of that circle is. And when it's time to refill the grid, you just pick tiles from where the wheelbarrow is and then move that wheelbarrow along the circle. And as tiles get added back there, when you when you do scoring, which we'll cover in a second, they'll get put down there behind the wheelbarrow. So that's it. You, you, you go around and around and around, taking tiles off the board and putting them down onto your dirt patches. So one of the other things about the dirt patches is that they come with both uh, two sides for starters and they have pots and cloches 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 pots and wow that's tough too it is <laughs> we've already we've already tongue-tied our dear listener once we shan't do it again so the pots and cloches yeah uh, are in different arrangements on each board but they are things that you will as you are placing your tetrominoes flower beds that you've chosen onto your dirt patch things that you will generally speaking try to avoid because those are how you get points when you fill up a flower bed you count up your pots and cloches pots and cloches pots and cloches and those are your two scoring tracks that you have on your scoring track your pots go up by uh, one point for every pot that you have on your flower bed and your cloches will give you two points for every cloche that you have on your flower bed and I'm not going to try to describe this scoring track too much. It would probably just confuse you, but just know that the, the orange and the blue cubes that represent the pots and the cloches are kind of parallel. The cloche side of the track has fewer spaces because each space is worth more points. And then once you reach the end of the score track, you do a big jump. The pots go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, up to 20. And then the cloches go 10, 12, 14, up to 20. And you have three cubes of each color. If you manage to score a flower bed, which I'll describe how they score in just a little bit, I promise. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I'm a man of my word. If you have some overflow, if you're three spaces away from the end of one of these tracks and you score enough to move five or six spaces, then those spaces are just lost. So maybe you'll pick one of the other cubes of that color. 
and maybe you'll have two or three cubes on a given color's scoring track at once, with the goal of getting all as many of them, all of them, over to the end of the track as possible. So you have planted enough flowers, you have filled up one of your flower beds, uh, you start the game with two, one on the light side and the other on the dark side. I don't really know why they distinguish light and dark side other than good and evil. <laughs> Maybe just to help <laughs> you keep track of which side you had face up when you... Oh, that might be it. So it. You, you filled up one of your, your, your dirt patches here with flowers. You count up your pots. Those are worth one point each. You count up your cloches, which is worth two points each. Cats are worthless. <laughs> They're also very helpful. We'll talk about it in a second. Paul has feelings about cats. I have feelings about cats. Uh, you have feelings about cats. Uh, get out. This is now just one most difficult. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rules. So, uh, yeah, cats Cats can, can be used at any time. Everyone starts with two. You get more at certain points in the game. Cats can be used at any time to fill in little one spots. Instead of taking a flower tile on your turn, you can take one of these little pot tiles and use that to fill in a one spot. That's like a free point, but it's a whole turn to get it. Once you've filled up your, your flower bed, you just score your pots and your cloches and move your cubes up those scoring tracks. And you toss your flowers aside, just like in real gardening. You just uproot them and throw them out. Get rid of them. No, I'm actually, done with you. What you do is you just put them back at the end of the circle behind the wheelbarrow, like I mentioned earlier. You flip over this, this flower bed that you just scored, put it in the middle where there's one waiting for you right there. You take that one from the middle, put that back in front of you. So there's always two in front of you. There's always one in the middle. These dirt patches end up getting swapped around and around and around, exchanged between all the players until we get to round six. In round six, anybody who has a dirt patch with fewer than three flower tiles on it, that dirt patch gets thrown out. The whole thing, gone. And the reason why that's important is because for the rest of the game, anyone who's still left with, with tiles on their dirt patches loses two points every time it's their turn. So it really incentivizes you to just hurry up and finish planting so that you can be done and you don't lose any more points. Once everyone has finished scoring their final dirt patch, the game's over. Whoever has the most points wins. There's a little minor, minor two and one point bonus for being the first person to get a cube to the end of one of your scoring tracks. It's just one or two points. It's not that big a deal, except for the fact that I used it to win to beat Laura. Always good for me when I beat Laura in a game. Feels really good. Do a little dance. You can't see it, dear listener. It's probably for the best. You don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to. Oh, but that's the game. It, we had uh, a friend of ours who played with us, good old Rob, back from the dead. <laughs> uh, he commented on how fast it plays, and, and he's not wrong. What do you think of this game there, Laura? Well, I like this game quite a bit. Yeah. This is one that, first of all, as you mentioned, it has nice table appeal. It's satisfying to me. The thing that I really like about it, what I think is especially satisfying to me, yeah. is the way that you can use these shapes to wend your way around the point potential that's already on your board, the cloches and the pots that are already there. 
And it's not super crunchy about that either. No. You know, it's if you have to cover up a pot to get a tile down, that's one point. That's easy. Easy that's, math. That's fine. It's worth it rather mm-hmm. than just sitting there. Waiting for the right tile to come out when, when it yeah. might not necessarily There's come out. points to be scored. Yeah. The other thing I like about it too is that as you're working around the grid where you draw your flower tiles from, you know what your next row options are going to be. So you can plan a bit ahead and yeah. it keeps at a good clip. The only way that you can really mess with somebody else's plan is by maybe taking something especially desirable like one of the few flower bed tiles that has points on it yeah uh like a closer a pot already on it uh so that they can't have that when it gets to their turn but most of the time you can plan your turn a couple of turns ahead and know what's coming additionally you know what's going to be replenished because you can see the whole circle of tiles over where the wheelbarrow is yeah. so it does play fast. It, I think, appeals to folks who have a good geometric sense. And I guess I like to think that I do, although you won. So I would Look, to be fair to you, uh, it was just by one point. And, and it was because of that one little beehive tile that I got. I should erase there. <laughs> Remember when I said, oh, I don't want to waste a point. I definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm, there, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, only. If only. Yeah, Sorry. Laura, you sum it up pretty well. I think this game's a keeper. Uh, at some point in the future, if we ever do an episode of a... Uh, uh, games the <laughs> games the in-laws like. I, th- I think we were going to call it games the in-laws don't hate. Games the in-laws don't hate. <laughs> I think this would get up there. I think I think they they both appreciated this one quite a bit when we laid it out for them. Agreed. My mom especially liked the the cats. The best part about this, <laughs> the best part about this is that it does not require me to spend four hours moving big heavy pots in and out of the garage. So any game that does not force me to do that is a winner in my book. Yeah, that's the real game of Suburban <laughs> Garden that we play with my parents uh, twice a year. No, no, thank you. Uh, okay, well, if you'll excuse me, I need to go uh, spray the garden uh, for cats. So, Paul, you were telling me that you don't trust the beans? Yeah. If you recall, uh, an episode or two ago, we uh, we mentioned that you had a bean garden out there in our backyard. And I've, I've taken a look at it, and sometimes when you gaze into the beans, the beans gaze back at you. And these beans definitely been giving me the old stink eye. Literally, there's a stink bean, some stink beans out there. Giving me just, I can see the stink lines coming <laughs> off of them. The chili beans looking a little, looking a little pyromaniac-y there. And then, of course, there's the the blue beans, and and they smoke, the, and they they wield bad. guns akimbo. Yeah, bad influence on our cowboy kid. hats. Yeah, and uh, cocoa beans. Cocoa beans often go for a nice swim in apparently the eviscerated remains of their brethren. <laughs> We're talking about bonanza. Bonanza, the Uva Rosenberg classic. I say classic because I really do believe this game predates quite a bit of his games that he is now more famous for. Uh, I don't have the date in front of me, and I don't have Board Game Geek in front of me. Oh, we're going to get the computer to tell us. Uh, computer. 1997. A banner year <laughs> for those of us who are just one year out of high school. Don't tell people how old we are. (laughs) You were just starting high school. Which is totally different. (laughs) Uh, So Bonanza. My copy here came out in the year 2000. 
I think this is one of the oldest games in the collection. Uh, had it for a long, long, long time. You can tell by the dirt on the sides of the cards here. Yeesh, don't look at it too closely. It's a game about trading beans. Planting beans, trading beans, slinging beans around. And as you may have guessed from Paul's charming introduction, the art is quite appealing. It is quite appealing. It turns a bunch of beans into a bunch of characters. Yeah. Your wax bean, your chili bean, your blue bean, stink bean, cocoa bean, all those beans. Red beans. Blue beans. I green guess beans. Green garden be- beans. There's, there is green beans, garden beans. That's true. Yeah. No we Mr. could read through all of them if we wanted to. Lightning round? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no. No Mr. Bean, unfortunately. Let's talk a little bit about how it plays. We've rambled about beans enough. So the genre I think it would fall into is sort of like a set collection. Yep. Basically, you start with a certain number of beans in your hand. <laughs> beans. 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 <laughs> This is now this is now a segment where we just say beans. It's fun to say it like beans, that. Beans, 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 beans. I recommend beans. that you try it too, listener. <laughs> so the the hand that you are dealt in the beginning, and I think the number of cards you have may vary. There are all kinds of variations depending on the number of players. Perfect. But- the trick is that you have to keep your hand in the same order that it's first dealt to you in. And when you add more cards to your hand, they have to go at the end of the line. Yeah, no so, mixing them up. Yep, you've always got to play from the right to the left. Front to the back, because we don't want to leave out our south paws. Okay, sure. So you always have to play in the same direction of your cards, uh, yeah. front to back, sure. Yep. Uh, and then, do, would south paws go left to right? I don't know. I, I try not to think of myself as being left-handed for too long. It just it, it gives me the creeps, <laughs> the willies. Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning of your turn, you have to, starting front to back, yeah. plant in your bean fields. How many do you have? You start with two. Can you get a third? You sure can. You How? can buy a third. For gold. For gold. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. For glory. No, just the gold. <laughs> for honor. <laughs> so you For will, beans. For beans. You'll plant one or two of your beans yeah. in your bean field, and then you will draw two from the top of the stack. Yeah. And you'll have to contend with those two beans that you drew. Yep. These are not replenishing your own hand. These are ones for kind of public viewing. These are your beans now. What are you going to do with them? Right. So you can either plant them or you can start to do some trades. You just have to make sure that those beans are dealt with and that those beans are planted. Who can you trade with? Anybody. What can you trade? Basically anything. If it's your turn, you can obviously trade the things that maybe you don't want to deal with that you just drew that are the the new visible ones. Sure. But you can also trade things from your hand, which becomes a major tactic in gameplay to streamline your hand so that you're prepared for your next turn and you don't end up stuck with a bean that you can't play. I'll give you this stink bean and it just happens to come out of the back of my hand where it's right in between two other beans that I want to plant further down the line. That's a smart move. That is a smart move, but maybe our listener would benefit from also understanding the rules about planting. Planting your beans is very simple. You have a bean field and when you plant a bean in that bean field, that field is now of that bean type. Put down a stink bean, that's a stink bean field. And never shall that field ever hold any beans of any other type until you harvest them. And at literally any time in the game, you can harvest those beans. You pick them up, and they are now out of the field. Each bean card has a little uh, thing down at the bottom of it. The game calls it the beanometer. 
I'm looking at cocoa beans right now, and it says if you harvest a field of two cocoa beans, you get two gold. If you harvest a field of three, you get three gold. And if you harvest a field of four, you get four. Chili beans, for example, you have to harvest nine of them to get four gold. Um, and then the other little tiny rule is that if you have one bean in a field, that one bean field can't be harvested unless all of your bean fields have one or nothing in them. That's to stop you from just using a, a one bean field as this kind of garbage, trash receptacle. This garbage disposal of just running beans through. It yeah. makes you actually play the game. It can be very heartbreaking when you are just a bean away <laughs> from being able to cash in just a field. A bean away. For the maximum number of coins. Yeah. But you have to clear it out yep. to make room for something that you have to contend with that you couldn't trade away. Uh, you mentioned one more thing that I think we might want to just make clear, yeah. which is there are different numbers of each of these beans in the deck. That's true. And they are numbered according to how many of them there, there are in the deck. Yep. So I don't know. Let's rattle off a few here. Yeah. Cocoa beans. There's four of them. Black eyed beans. There's 10 of them. All the way up to chili beans. There's 18 of them. Blue beans. There's 20 of them. So the, the more beans of that type there are in the deck, the harder it is to get gold for harvesting them. You have to harvest more of them to get the same amount of gold. So it's a pretty simple game. Yeah. I think everybody that we've introduced this to takes to it pretty quickly. We've left off a couple of things at the end of the turn. It's all bookkeeping stuff. Once the trading is done, draw some new cards, put them in the back of your hand, and then goes right on to the next player. That player has to plant. That player has to draw a couple, put them out, and that player then has to try doing some trading with everybody else. And you just go around and around and around the table till you go through that deck three times. The cards themselves act as the currency in the game. So when you harvest them up, you take those cards out of play. So if you manage to harvest uh, all four of the cocoa beans, for example, there's not going to be cocoa beans anymore in the game. If you manage to harvest three out of the four, there's going to be this one little cocoa bean that's swimming around in the deck just mucking somebody's plans up. Hopefully that never happens to me. That's Bonanza. Straightforward, fun little trading game. Two to seven players. Uh, we, we go seven players. You you modify the rules a bunch all the way down to, you know, five, four, three, two. And in the back of the rule book, there is a big old section here about the bean duel for two players. But Laura, if I wanted to challenge you to a bean duel... Well, I would rather just go get the smaller, also bright yellow box <laughs> on the shelf that is called Bonanza the Duel. Bonanza the Duel. Uh, it has um, all the same beans that we know and love. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're duking it out. But now they're duking it out, and the art features every bean type now has a counterpart bean that they are dueling with. The rules are changed just a little bit. In the two-player version here, Bonanza the Duel, a separate game here, both players have three bean fields at all times, and you're not bean limited. You can plant multiple types of beans, but they have to go in ascending order. So the, the, the six-count garden beans would have to come before the 12-count soybeans would have to come before the 18-count chili beans. Chili beans. Uh, you, so yeah, you can go 6, 12, 18, you 6, 12, 12, 18, but you can't go like 6, 12, 10. Can't do that. Gotta harvest. Yep, but the real the real core of this game is mandatory offering to the other player. There has to be a trade. There has to be a trade. It's optional in the in, original Bonanza. Yeah, but in the Bonanza the Duel, it's gonna go like this. It's my turn. 
I plant one or two cards, and then I draw three cards from the deck and lay them out before me, and those three cards are now mine to contend with. I now have to decide which of these I'm going to plant and which card I'm going to offer to my opponent. That offer can come from those three beans in front of me or from my hand. And I, as the opponent, would then either accept and therefore have to plant whatever is offered or make a counter offer of a different bean type. So as part of setup of the game, you line up all of the kinds of beans in the middle. So when you make the offer, you can kind of nudge that card towards yeah. your opponent. They have these neat little double-sided cards that you can use to nudge to, to kind of have this cool sliding action towards the other player. It does feel pretty cool, but yeah. also it's extremely useful as far as keeping track, keeping track of what's already been offered. Of the offers and the counter offers and that kind of thing until mm-hmm. someone says, all right, fine, I'll take it. But what happens if you offer someone a bean that you don't actually have? So that's the thing. You can bluff and take a quick look at what your opponent's got in front of him or yep. her and then make the call about whether or not you know you might want to offer something that you don't truly have to give. That you know that they probably don't want with the goal of getting a counter offer back. For something that you want. Yep. Yeah. But if they call you on it and you don't have it, you got to give them a gold. The game knows that you're probably going to want to start bluffing early if you're going to play that way, so they give you some gold to lose. We don't do a whole lot of that bluffing. Maybe we should do more. We don't do a whole lot of getting caught with the bluffing. <laughs> Might be a better way of putting it. Well, now, maybe maybe we should uh, talk a little bit about how much the other person bluffs. Because <laughs> I am nothing but honest and straightforward mm-hmm. in my dealings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's also these extra ways to get coins in the duel where you have pattern cards as part of your starting hand. So not only do you have the normal bean cards, but you also have a few pattern cards and they have symbols on them like triangles, squares, circles, and they're color coded. But basically they're giving you a prescription for how to plant your bean field so that you can match that same pattern. So if you have, for example, three triangles, it's all in a column, three triangles, and then three squares. If you plant any bean field that has three of one number yep. followed by three of another number, then you can cash that in. Right away, anytime, even if your opponent has that, you can True. say it encourages you to look at your opponent's field and say, ah, ha, ha, and cash that in. It's tough to be paying that much attention to your opponent's field, but there's definitely coins to be made there if you yeah. are. Yep, um, and these, these patterns, they reward you fractions of gold, mm. pennies, like bean pennies. 10, 40, 70, and 100. And so at the end of the game, when you're counting up your gold, you also have to add all that stuff together. 70, 70, 40, 10, 10, 10, 10. Add it all up, and then that's going to... You could win by pennies. You could say 24.5 to 24.7. That's an interesting scoring system, but it works. It keeps you engaged and really makes sure that you're paying attention to what's going on in the other players' bean fields. So let's talk about these games real quick. Uh, What do we think about them? Well, we like both of these games. We do. Uh, There's a reason why they have stood the test of time in your collection. Bonanza is absolutely never leaving my collection. It's a fantastic game to bust out at family gatherings, parties. It plays up to seven. It doesn't seem to really play that much longer at seven than it does at four or five. And it inspires a lot of table talk. A lot of people, you know, badgering each other. Are you sure you want to take that? Are you sure you're going to give Laura that? Oh, are you going to sure you're going to give him that? Oh, yeah. And especially because everyone's bean fields are public information. So you can tell right away yeah. if somebody's going to want something. Does that is that the bean that gets you over to the extra coin if yeah. you harvest it? 
so everyone kind of knows what's going on and what people are collecting. And it's super fun to to make deals where or to talk people out of deals too. Yeah. You know, where you don't want somebody to to get yeah. the the bean that they need and everyone kind of piles on. Well, how else can we deal with that bean without you having to give it to Paul? <laughs> it usually ends up being you who everyone picks on in games like this. Pro- usually, yeah. Now, what do we think about Bonanza the Duel? I think it's all right. It's cute if we have a hankering for some for some beanin. It is definitely salvaged by the fact that it takes up a very small amount of shelf space. If it were in a bigger box, I would be less inclined to keep it around. As it stands, it is interesting and unique enough for me to, I think, warrant a place on the shelf because we don't really have a game like it. Um, we have all kinds of climbing games and trick-taking games and, if, and some abstract strategies, but, but nothing like this. What do you think? Yeah, well, this one has a, a fond place in my heart being oh, yeah. one of the games that you introduced me to oh, yeah. on definitely one of our first dates. Those are my moves. Those are my moves. <laughs> the bean moves. You fell, yeah, you fell, you fell prey to my do moves. Do you want to play a game about beans? <laughs> I, literally. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Yep. Basically that's, exactly like that. That's it. Yep. yep. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a fun game. It doesn't take too long to play. Yeah. It's pint-sized, which is helpful as well. Yep. Easy to bring on an airplane or something like that. Not, I guess, that you would play it on the airplane. We could try. No. That's a terrible example. <laughs> Larger games have been played. I've heard about Vitala Serta games being played on an no, airplane. Nobody's done that. Bonanza, Bonanza the Duel. These are excellent games. They belong in just about any collection. And if you want to find them, it's Bonanza, B O H N A N Z A. It's a little German pun there because bone is bean in German. Bon. Is it? Is that? Is it pronounced bone or is it bon? No, it's bone. Bone. Where's the umlaut? I There's no all, umlaut. All vowels in German need to have an umlaut. That is, is what I've heard. Incorrect. Mm. I appear to be misinformed. Now you just sit there. I need to go have a very severe talking to to that chili bean. Well, I have to say, after reviewing all those games, I really do have, I think, a good, solid grasp on what it means to actually be one with the earth, fostering life from little inanimate seeds and growing them into beans that want to burn your house down. Uh, And I have no desire to ever plant anything ever again. So you're on your own. Are you saying that I'm going to have to do all the gardening this year? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Gosh, that makes it so very different from any other time. (laughs) Look, you know, it's very important to set boundaries, and I'm just letting you know exactly what they are. I'm surprised you didn't try to go for beandries. (laughs) Oh, no. It's all this wine I've been drinking. It's (laughs) slowing me down. Uh, that's it for our Uwe Rosenberg takes you into his garden and makes you watch him plant things spectacular. That was just so you know, dear listener, that was a double rainbow of hand <laughs> gestures way, everywhere. It's that I think that's good. It's a nice, a nice clip. We can get back to our non. What did I call it? I got to. Re- you made up the word. The non- I mean, slash non- did your research yeah. to find the word. <laughs> the non fluked. That sounds right. Yeah. We can get back to the non-fluked some other time. Uh, maybe by then it'll be whatever the German word for 12 is, the 12 fluked. 
And on a side note, actually, it's not as though we didn't just get a truckload of games. <laughs> we literally have had to pull Several. up a, a new shelf from yeah. the basement. So yeah. some people call it the shelf of shame. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as the shelf of opportunity. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. nice. Uh, and uh, don't worry, dear listener, we will continue digging through this content for your sake. As much as the uh, load-bearing structure of our floor can handle because we got to get some of these out of here (laughs) before we go dear listener we want to let you know that sometimes the games that we get rid of go into a box and they get traded away or sold or that kind of thing but uh, we were looking at this copy of agricola and we thought man that's just in some really good shape we just bought it we've only played it a few times you know, it'd be really nice for it to end up in a home that would really appreciate it. So if you're interested in our copy of Agricola yeah. with the laminated score sheet, it's hand laminated, <laughs> it was very difficult, mm-hmm. very thick gloves, <laughs> and just constantly breathing hot air on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> that really sells it. I think. Yeah. We need to say no more. No, it's in perfect condition. Yeah. We've it's very lightly played. We the rule book's been flipped through a couple of times. We don't want to oversell it. But all right, all right. It is a great staple for any smaller board game collection. Yeah. If it fills uh, a void in what you've got, then I think it could really be a great fit. Yeah. So here's what you can do to win it. All you have to do is um either send us an email. To most difficult at gmail.com. T-W-O, most difficult at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite episode is and why. We'll put your name into a hat. Boop. Or you can hop on Twitter. We're on Twitter at two, that's the number two, most difficult, and uh, retweet some clever tweet of ours or maybe uh, mention us, do an at at us and mention your favorite episode and why. Uh, or retweet the favorite episode, something. So we'll take all of those emails or ats or retweets and we will put them all in a hat and yep. the lucky winner will receive our copy. Uh, e- Emailed directly to you. We will scan it. <laughs> and the lucky winner... <laughs> Go ahead. And the lucky winner will receive our lovely copy of Agricola shipped to them for free yeah. in the mail yep. provided that you are... In the United States. The lower 48. Alaska and Hawaii are a little difficult to ship off to. And that one person who's been downloading in New Zealand, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're just going to have to go find your own. I was going to try to say it in a New Zealander accent, but I I didn't want to offend our one New Zealander listener. (laughs) And then we have zero New Zealand listeners. We just want, uh, we want to connect to you, dear listener. We want to boost the signal and uh, and spread our beans. nationwide (laughs) and I will not be taking that one over again so uh, until next time dear listener we want to thank Thank you you for for honoring honoring us with with your beans oh god that's a lot of attitude for a computer voice you want to try that again (laughs) 